0: Again, uh, on the whole idea, theme of the Advent. Uh, Just read this famous verse from Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. You don't need to turn to this. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. Before I get into this, while it's in my head because so many times, last night, this morning, forgot, but I want to mention it particularly. Mrs. Bloomfield, who normally sits right at the back on Sunday, uh, is hospitalized. Uh, she went into the hospital this week. And uh, so, dear help her, she spent Christmas in the hospital. And uh, she's not pleased about that. But she hasn't really been well. You, you can see that she's got quite frail. And she really has slowed up a lot in this past uh, while, and I of you been here a long time, you can just see that, and that uh, she has been falling, and her pains has been killing her, and there's been just all kinds of things, and I just got this week where uh, she just couldn't do anything, and the only thing was to, was to get her uh, into hospital. So pray for uh, Mrs. Bloomfield, Dora, as her son affectionately calls her. Do you know, I have, in all these years, I have never, ever gotten over calling her Mrs. Bloomfield. I'd never call her Dora. (laughs) Never, ever. It's always Mrs. Bloomfield. (laughs) She told me one time, sorry, you can call me Dora. No, no, it's okay, Mrs. Bloomfield. (laughs) So there you are. F.W. Borum, that uh, great old preacher and writer, uh, he said that uh, when a wrong wants writing or when a work wants doing, or a truth needs preaching, or a continent needs opening. He said that God always sent a baby. And 700 years after Micah spoke these prophetic words, uh, God sent a little baby into the world that was to change the world forever. Uh, two Two Old Testament prophets spoke of this event, Isaiah and Micah, they were contemporary prophets. They lived and prophesied during the same era. And of course, Isaiah prophesied about his birth. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, Isaiah 9 and 6. But Micah prophesied about his birthplace. And uh, take note that both these prophets, again I reiterate, prophesied and spoke of both his humanity and his divinity. Unto us a child is born. His humanity unto us, a son is given, his divinity. And also, uh, we can see there that Micah, uh, lest that we think that he was just speaking about uh, some ordinary baby and some ordinary person that would be born in Bethlehem, he makes it clear, uh, the one who to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. And so that speaks obviously of his uh, divinity. And so what was implicit in the Old Testament is now explicit in the New Testament. Uh, John makes that clear, doesn't he? In John chapter 1, where he talks about Christ being the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, same as in the beginning with God. And then it says, and the Word became flesh, the Word, His divinity became flesh, His humanity. And so... We see this as a theme throughout the Old Testament and right into the, into the new. And so Micah, chapter five, verse two, uh, gives us uh, three truths concerning Christ's advent. Uh, first of all, the promise of his advent. What a promise it was. And even though it took seven centuries for that promise to come to fruition, but God's word will never fail. And God brought it, made it to come to pass. Uh, of course, uh, he wasn't the only one that spoke of uh, Christ's coming and about the Messiah who would come. Uh, we find it in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 that Isaiah prophesied about a virgin uh, would conceive and a virgin would bring forth a child. And uh, we talked about Emmanuel, that God would be with us. Uh, Zechariah in his great uh, prophetic scripture, six times he speaks of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one to come, and uh, he calls him the branch and the king. Also, he talks about the very him being pierced, and of course, we see that, of course, on the cross. Haggai, the prophet, called him the desire of all nations. Malachi called him the messenger. Jeremiah called him the king that was to come. And Numbers 24, even that old renegade prophet Balaam, even prophesied that a star would come out of Jacob. So over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament, the advent of Christ was promised and prophesied, and eventually it came. It's amazing, isn't it, that whenever you read Matthew chapter 2, and how you read there, how that Herod inquired of the wise men uh, where and when this child was to be born, and how that the he consulted then, of course, the, the priests uh, who, who knew actually and said, of course, it would be in Bethlehem. And they quoted from Micah's prophecy because they, they knew all the prophetic scriptures, memorized most of them, I'm sure, if not all of them. And so they even knew where Christ was to be born, where the Messiah was to be born. And, and of course, now they know the time because the wise man has come and pointed to his star. And yet for all of that, they were blind to who he really was and they did not receive him. It's amazing the blindness that came on them. And of course, uh, book of John, chapter 1, uh, in verse uh, 11, uh, Jesus was actually talking about this and how he said that, uh, or this, John's writing this about Jesus, how he came to his own, and his own received him not. And then the apostle Paul writing about Uh, Christ and how that the Jews rejected him and how that he said that blindness, blindness uh, on their part was actually to our benefit. Blindness on their part to our benefit because he came to his own his own received him not but to as many as received him to them give you the power to become the sons of God so even in their blindness actually fell to our benefit it opened the door for the Gentiles for us to come and to receive him and to own him and of course uh, Paul speaking of that said to the Gentiles well don't be smug about that because one day all of Israel will recognize him and own him and realize who he is and so over and over and over again uh, we have the promise of his advent. But then we have the place of his advent. Micah like said it would be in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. In Bethlehem. Now isn't it amazing, we, we spoke last Sunday, how that, that in order to get that carpenter and his young wife-to-be, who was with child, to get them to Bethlehem, how that God actually disturbed the whole empire, the mighty Roman empire, and disturbed an emperor, the mightiest empire on the face of the earth, all to get millions and millions and millions of people walking and going by donkey in order to get back to their birthplace so that this couple, this baby in this womb could actually be born in Bethlehem that was prophesied 700 years ago by the minor prophet Micah. And so Bethlehem, And the providence of God is a very, very important place. Now, it's important for a few reasons. I don't know if you think much about Bethlehem, but it's important for a few reasons. You remember it was the place of Rachel's death? Well, just outside of actually, on the doorstep. And how that she gave birth to Jacob's last child. And the labor was very, very hard indeed. In fact, it was so difficult that it cost her her life in the end. But just before she died, you remember that she named him as was her wont to do, Uh, and she called him Ben-Oni, Ben, son of, son of my sorrow. And you can understand why she did that. She knew she was dying, and it was a sorrowful time, and it was a hard labor, so she called him Ben-Oni, son of my sorrow. But Jacob, not wanting his son to be lumbered with that name and to have to go through all of his life, knowing that, in a sense, he was the cause of his mother's death, he changed it They said, no, we're not going to call him Ben-Oni, we're going to call him Benjamin, son of my right hand. Little did he know how prophetic that that statement was, son of my right hand. Because hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, after he spoke those words, the son of God's right hand was born in Bethlehem. And somebody says that the The Rachel's burial place uh, became Benjamin's birthplace, and like what old George Henderson said, he said the tomb of Jacob's earthly hopes became the birthplace of his heavenly ones. The tomb of Jacob's earthly hopes became the birthplace of his heavenly ones. Sometimes in life, something has got to die and be buried within us before something new can come forth. Sometimes death has to take place within us, within our lives. Something perhaps we've been holding on to has to die. Except a corn of wheat fall onto the ground and die, it buys a But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. And so there's a spiritual principle here. And so it's important for several reasons. It was a royal city. David was born there. Once in royal David's city, stood a lonely cattle shed where a mother laid her baby in a manger for a bed. And so it was a royal city. Actually, uh, both uh, Joseph and Mary had David's royal blood in their veins, even though they were extremely poor. Many, many centuries had gone past, but in that lineage, uh, they belonged to David's lineage. And of course, we often talk about Jesus being David's greater son And so, again, it was fitting that he would be born in a royal city. Now, we say a city, but it was only a little village, wasn't it? Bethlehem means the house of bread. The house of bread. Again, how fitting, how appropriate, how prophetic that the bread from heaven, that the bread of life himself would be born in the house of bread. Isn't God amazing how he puts everything together for our encouragement? And then, of course, it was very, very small. What does it say in verse 2 of Micah 5? Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. Though you be little among the thousands of Judah, such a tiny insignificant little place in a backwater province in the middle of the Roman Empire, and yet that was the place where God chose to bring to birth His only begotten Son. God certainly doesn't do things our way, sure He doesn't. Not even in Jerusalem. Of course that's where most people would have thought it should have been, and certainly not in a big city like Rome or Paris or London or New York. (laughs) but in a tiny, tiny, tiny little village with ordinary people, born in a stable, laid in a manger. What great condescension that the Son of God should come that way for us. But isn't that encouraging? That to the very poorest of society, to the very lowest of the low, Christ has come to reach and to identify with and Jesus identified with the poor of this world, didn't he? And so it behoves us to reach out to the poor of this world. And we do that through missions and giving and all the rest of it. And it's right that we should do that. But also, Bethlehem was the place where David was anointed. Do you remember that? Do you remember how that Samuel took a horn of oil and he went to the house of Jesse the Bethlehemite? And God had told him that the king of Israel was going to be there. And so he went there to anoint the king of Israel. And of course how that Jesse brought out all of his big sons. And some of them were big and tall and handsome. Look regal. And even, even the prophet Samuel said, Surely the Lord's anointed us before me. when he saw Eliab, but it wasn't. God says, No, that's not him. And he went down all through the sons. And he says, Is there any more yet left? Oh, he says, There's just, there's just the, the wee lad. He's out in the fields there. The nipper, as we would say. The rump of the litter. He's out there. They didn't even consider him. And of course, when he brought him in, he was the one, wasn't he? He was the one who was to be anointed. But it's interesting how that Samuel said, you see, that man doesn't, man looks in the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. And isn't it interesting that, that when you think of Jesus' birth, where he was born, you think of to whom he was born to, poor, poor people, so poor that on the day of his dedication, all they could offer up was two turtle doves. They couldn't even offer a lamb, they had no money. had so little to do it with. And yet, men still look upon the Christ as just the carpenter of Nazareth. Might even say he's a prophet. Might even say he was a good, decent man. Well, they miss entirely who he is because they judge him by the externals. They look at his birth, they look at his parentage. And that's what the Jews did, of course. Could any good thing come out of Nazareth, Nathaniel said later on. But there was something different about this baby. There was something special. And so, the promise of his advent, the place of his advent, and then finally the purpose of Of his advent. Why did he come? Well we know he came. To redeem those who were under the law. He came to save us didn't he? He came. Born to die for us. His miraculous birth is meaningless. Without his mediatorial death. The crib always. Was going to lead to the cross. Bethlehem was always going to be the road. To Calvary. For the son of God. And Christmas always will point to Easter, always. And so, here we have this story. He come to redeem his people. Michael said he came to rule over his people. Not only have we his Saviorhood, but we have his lordship. Not only is he Christ our saviour, but he's Christ our lord, isn't he? And so it's wonderful. Come to govern us, saviour, which is... Christ the Lord. And so there it is, the little town of Bethlehem. In a few moments we're going to sing that carol. Probably 200 years ago now, I think it was 1867, Philip Brooks was at that time probably the most well-known and certainly the most loved preacher in all of America. He was a big man. He was six foot six Big, broad man. It said that he could. He had memorized over 200 hymns. He could just sing them from memory. He was a brilliant man, and he spent a year one. Sorry, spent one Christmas one year in Bethlehem, and thoroughly enjoyed his stay there. Three years later, he's in his study. It was just a few days before Christmas, and he's preparing his Christmas message. And outside, his choir director Uh, is playing on the piano, Lewis Redner, and he's practicing Christmas carols. And when he heard the Christmas carols, his mind went back to that Christmas he spent in Bethlehem. And while he was thinking about that, he began to write these words, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. And then suddenly all the words came to him, and he wrote them all down, all the verses. And he took it out to Lewis Redner and he says, Lewis, I want the children to sing this on Christmas morning. Could you put a tune to it? And so Lewis Redner took that and he says, try as he may, he could not get a tune for it. It just would not come. In fact, he said it was Christmas Eve at midnight. And all of a sudden, he says, it was as if the tune came right down from heaven into his soul. And he put the tune to that in a Christmas morning almost 200 years ago. That little carol was sung for the first time in a little town of Bethlehem, How Still We See Thee Lie. It's a beautiful carol, isn't it? It's been sung for two centuries because the Spirit of God was the one who really penned it, wasn't He? The Spirit of God was the one who anointed it. We're still singing it to this day. And so Clifford's going to come on the team. By the way, thank you for all of your well wishes and your cards and your gift. Uh, Sally and I really, really appreciate it. And we never, ever take anything for granted. But we appreciate your kindnesses. And uh, after we sing this, you'll be able to wish each other a very happy Christmas today. And think of others who perhaps it's not so merry today. Mrs. Bloomfield. She'll not be a happy bunny today in hospital. She'd have been here this morning. She'd have loved to have been here at church, but it just was not to be this time. But just keep, keep her in your prayers. And others, perhaps, that you know that somebody has been bereaved at this time, just think about them keeping your prayers. Clifford. Men certainly put Bethlehem on the map, wouldn't it? Wouldn't have been known like it's known today all around the world, the little town of Bethlehem. Let's stand together and we'll sing us through as we close this morning. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee light. Deep and dreamless sleep The silent stars go by Yet in the dark streets Shining the everlasting